0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Let's bring on the host, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a rock and roll show all about pets, people, and pop culture. I'm live from Las Vegas, and today we're going to have a great show.
0: vegas rock dog radio Heads, people pop culture
1: good morning everybody we're live from las vegas and i am thrilled you're here today i'm sam the queen of rock and roll dogs we've got tons to talk about today it's going to be a really really fun show and in my studio today i have jim dorigo
2: who is here.
1: And what were you just telling me then? He was trying to do some sign language, and I had no clue what he was trying te- to tell me.
2: The technical side says get close to the microphone and square onto the microphone.
1: Oh, thank you, Mr. Jim. I have a new pop filter that seems to pull me a little bit further away than I prefer to be. So maybe I'll just get rid of my pop filter. Yeah, get right on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much happier. Mm. Much happier with that. So, um, yeah. Gosh, it's been a bit. of I can't speak. Already, I cannot speak. I cannot speak. It's been Purched a busy, teeth back in. It's been... It's been, <laughs> it's been a busy week. It's been a busy morning already. <sighs> Jim just Jim just got back from um, Pittsburgh, didn't yeah. you, Jim? About when, that?
2: when I go away, we don't tell anybody. We don't know when I'm in, in or out of the house, keep people on their toes. Yeah.
1: We always announce it after the fact. But what were you doing in Pittsburgh, Jim?
2: Visiting family, visiting my mom. Playing a concert with the Temptations. There you go
1: with the Temptations. Uh, Jim typically plays with them when they come in, into Las Vegas, and this was an opportunity to play in Pittsburgh and see family at the same time, which is great. Uh, but you made some new friends while you were there, didn't you, Jim?
2: I did. I uh, well, I met. Uh, I saw my. I can't speak. Now. Get your You're teeth stuck. in this morning. <laughs> so my old saxophone professor I hadn't seen him or played with him in twenty six years. And we were on the same show
1: together, and uh, it was Raymond, wasn't it, that set it up? Yeah. The ba- the um, he's the band leader, yeah.
2: He's the co- the, uh, horn, the horn contractor, horn contractor, and he, he set it up without letting either of us know that we were going to be on the show together.
1: So it, it literally was twenty six years ago since you last played mm-hmm. together. Yeah, that's amazing. What did what what did who saw who first? Did you see Curtis first?
2: I knew Curtis was going to be on the show before he knew I was going to be on the show.
1: Oh, okay. So when he saw you, what did he do?
2: He was a bit dumbfounded, and he I don't think he was quite sure. He thought I was some weirdo. It
1: probably didn't make sense. Like, no, gosh, that right. looks like Jim Dorigo, but how can it possibly be? And it was. Well, I think that was very, very nice. We of- we're halfway
2: through the first song of the concert when he punched me in the arm, when it finally, uh, he kind of realized
1: it. He didn't realize until, sh- what, did you just not say anything? Were you just waiting for him to click? It was you?
2: Uh, yeah, I would just let it go. Because he was constantly... You know, he came in late. There was traffic. So he was getting his head together to play the show. So he had other things <laughs> on his mind as well. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. That is so good. Well, you made some other friends, didn't you?
2: My high school band teacher was in the fourth row back.
1: When was the last time you saw him?
2: Golly. I mean
1: high school? <laughs> I don't know.
2: Maybe when he retired, I think. I played for his retirement. I, I made that guest spot on his retirement. So that was 13 years ago, I think.
1: Wow, it's a long time. But you made some more friends, didn't you?
2: No, I just saw regular family.
1: Not of the human kind. Oh Which God. reminds me, by the way, our other co-hosts are in studio today, and that's Galaxy Thornton and Mr. Twix. So if you hear them moving around, or maybe the odd bark or scratching or whatever, <laughs> just know... That's what's going on. It's not Jim scratching in the background. He
2: smells like an old walnut.
1: Oh, he does smell like an old walnut. He's due to be groomed, um, is Mr. Twix. So your new friends.
2: Well, my brother has chickens. He has a big yard in Pennsylvania, and he had uh, some hens, some egg chickens, some Rhode Island reds. And I got to meet them for the first time. I didn't meet them. I chased, <laughs> I chased them in the yard, picked them up, and put them back in their pen a couple times. Oh yeah, they lo- they want to come to the house. They're very. I love chickens. I I've know. Al- I've always loved roosters as like symbols and pictures and and you know like things you go to the store to buy to put on the shelf. I always loved roosters, but these are three hens, so they're not as big or not as colorful, but they're very nice animals, very calm.
1: Yeah, you said you very really, wise birds. You really liked chicken dinner. I named her. I know you did. That's r- <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> but now, but you were we, you were saying, well, maybe we should get some chickens, but we'd have to have an air conditioned coop living in Las Vegas. I
2: don't know about that, it,
1: Jim. Just it's have to so have a nice,
2: hot. I think chickens do okay. Horses are
1: outside. No, I I would not feel right about that at all. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't. So, um, and there is a guy in town who actually builds custom coops. He did one for a friend of ours, and it was designed in shabby chic, and it's got a chandelier in it as well. Automatic. It wouldn't work
2: out with your canines. I don't. No,
1: I mean I would not want to do that because we don't have a big enough space.
2: We have an eyepatch-sized yard. And
1: then our dogs would probably worry them, and that is not right. So, well, if you're listening in for the first time, welcome to the show. And if you've listened in for quite some time, we're so glad that you are here. And if you want to connect with us on the Internet based uh, anything to do with the show, I mean anything to do with the show, whether it's social media, a website, or a blog, here are the links. It's really easy. Our main website where you would listen to the show. Is VegasRockdogradio.com. And then you'll find us on Periscope, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Tumblr. <laughs> Where else are we? And you'll just look for Vegas Rock Dog or Vegas Rock Dog Radio, you'll find us. And our blog is the rock dog.com. And that's where we do reviews and giveaways and tell you who's coming on the show. And we also put up the archive show up there as well as on our website. And if you want some rock and roll clothing for you and your pets, then you would go to VegasRockDog.com. Now, most people do tend to listen to a lot of the shows um, in, in an archive format. So you'll find us on iHeartRadio. You'll also find us on iTunes, which is easy. Most people have that on their phones. And uh, you can also find us on a bunch of other podcast catcher apps. And just look for Vegas Rock Dog Radio or find us. It's really, really easy. So, we missed it last night, Jim, because we were busy gallivanting around, but Hallmark Channel, one of my favorite channels, they they had the um, Hero Dog Awards, which I Typically watch, but we missed it last night. And I typically know every dog that they feature on there, and and the people that they feature and give these awards to. So they they give these awards to heroic dogs uh, wow. and the wonderful people who have saved them. And um, it's a really fun show. It's a very good balance of of like really fun lighthearted stuff but then the great message of rescue and um it's so it's educational it's very it's i think it's very good for the family so it is a perfect balance as i say i usually know a bunch of people on there and uh, i looked at some of the photos last night and sure sure enough i did and one of those dogs one of those dogs is hooch and hooch i have a very interesting i have a very interesting uh story and a connection with hooch now um a lot of you already know that I like to raise money for megaesophagus canine megasophagus And in a very simple explanation, um, the esophagus is not strong enough to propel uh, food down into the stomach. So these dogs have a really hard time um, eating and uh, they have to be upright. And here's the, the interesting connection. Now, a lot of people will know who Hooch is. He was the dog who had his ears cut off and his tongue cut out. And, I'd seen this story and, of course, feeding him was going to be a little bit of an issue. And I did a radio show and I had Maria Hosmer on the show. And um, we talked about, I said, oh, my gosh, did you see that dog? Hooch, you know, what happened to this dog? It's having some trouble eating now. She's got no tongue. And she said, oh, he needs a Bailey chair. And I said, what's a Bailey chair? And this is how I found out about canine Megasophagus because her dog had that and they need to be upright like a baby, like a baby chair. And they have a special chair called the Bailey chair just for dogs. They're built for their size and it helps them. It helps gravity work with um, when they eat. So the gravity helps the food uh, go down into the stomach and they have to remain upright. They have to remain. They have to remain upright. Um, in order for the food, you know, to go down and about 20 minutes. So the chair is perfect. And this is how I found out about this. And I said, oh, my gosh, I, do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go online and I'm, going to, and I'm going to give them that suggestion. Well, a lot of people know about about these Bailey chairs and had made this suggestion and had donated uh, money so that Hooch could get a chair. So that was just the greatest news because then you could see he's going to improve. These things are going to look a lot brighter for him. A couple of months later, I put my, I, I decided I'm going to start raising funds for Canine Megasophagus. And so I, I actually put something on Facebook and a really lovely lady here in Las Vegas uh, messaged me and she said, I've got a Bailey chair if you want it. So I messaged her back and I said, how much do you want for this chair? Because I know I can help, help dogs with this chair. And she said, no, 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 you can have it. So, are you kidding me? I and mean, I didn't even know this lady. So, we met her in a parking lot, didn't we, Jim? It looked a bit dodgy. It was a nice parking lot. <laughs> it looks dodgy when you meet people in a parking lot. I mean, just on a bank that's closed <laughs> on the weekend. And here's the story with Hooch. She said, I'm so glad you can have this. She says, There's this dog called Hooch, and he had two chairs donated to him. And I was the next on the list as a recipient for my dog. Only my dog's fine now. Um, I don't know if the dog had surgery um, or they'd figure out an alternative way. And she said, so I don't need the chair. And I, I thought, are you kidding me? This is the most full circle moment you could ever imagine, which is me being on the radio show and saying, did you see that dog, Hooch? And then I end up with Hooch's chair extra chair and I managed to pass that forward onto a dog that needed surgery the dog didn't have megasophagus but it did need to feed upright until they had a corrective surgery made then the chair came back to me and then um, another dog came in I think it was a German Shepherd came in to rescue and again someone someone put a post out, has anyone got a Bailey chair? And someone tagged me and I said, I do. So they came around and picked it up. So I was very happy about that. Now, Canine Megasophagus, there are some, some breakthroughs coming in and I'm going to tell you about those. Uh, I was really, really excited to see this. Um, so anyway, Hooch, Hooch, was on, Hooch was on the Hero uh, Dog Hero Awards and I was thrilled to see that. Uh, now, so this kind of like extends onto that, which is... Uh, a team has developed a treatment for canine megasophagus. I haven't even had a minute to even tell Jim about this. So um, uh, it says MISU uh, Collaboration develops treatment for canine megasophagus. Um,
2: Like a surgery treatment.
1: I don't know. Well, yeah, well, here we go. You, ch- you jump in the gun here. Well, Jim.
2: Uh, go ahead and explain. <laughs> Just l- let me let you go. Go ahead. Thank then.
1: you. Thank you so much. <laughs> These studies, performed by members um, of a collaborative research project at the University University of Missouri, still can't. Speak. I know I can't. Were a major component of revolutionary techniques developed for the diagnosis and treatment of megasophagus, a devastating disease of dogs, and. Um, uh, that so it's a pioneering um, approach that they're they're taking to treat one type of canine megasophagus, and it is a devastating disease. Uh, a partnership between VHC Small Animal Internal Medicine, Radiology, Surgery, and Nutrition Services, and an, an investigator in the Otolaryngology, Laryngology, Laryngology head and neck surgery department of the university school of medicine has resulted in the discovery of a breakthrough treatment for a subpopulation of dogs with megasophagus the Mizu team has identified a defect in the lower esophageal sphincter
2: esophageal
1: i'm english (laughs) So there's always a translation. If you're new to this show, there's always a translation. American English. (laughs) It's a good thing. Uh, But basically, it's a potential treatable cause of megasophagus. This is the greatest news because a lot of veterinarians are not aware of this. Um, So sometimes people take their dogs in and they never get diagnosed. And, um, you know, so to read this is fantastic. So anyway, megasophagus refers to a large dilated dilated esophagus with poor or no motility preventing normal passage of food and liquid into the stomach with ingester not reaching the stomach to produce the sensation of being full the dog will continue to eat and as a result the esophagus enlarges greatly dogs end up not getting enough calories so they waste away so you'll not understand why they're eating and wasting away at the same time and dogs with with me as they call it also regurgitate large amounts of ingested, uningested food and some of that material can be inhaled into the lungs this inhalation can result in aspiration pneumonia a dangerous additional symptom that kills many affected animals in general dogs with megasophagus typically die of malnutrition aspiration pneumonia and are euthanized because the owners are told they have a terrible prognosis according to the associate professor carol uh, Rienero DVM PhD, and she's an internal medicine specialist helping coordinate the efforts of this multidisciplinary team. And she says, We're taking a closer look at the population of dogs with idiopathic mechasophagus, which means we don't know what causes sp- it.
2: Speaking lots of big words, to that.
1: I know, and it's a miracle I'm getting them out. It's an absolute miracle. <laughs> Um, uh, But they say they don't know what causes it, but she said, we run all of our traditional tests, but we've never been able to find the underlying cause. Now, with our video fluoroscopic swallow studies, we have identified an abnormality that we believe is driving the problem. Uh, Oh, gosh, here we go. Here's the big word. Less achalasia like syndrome. And the LES act as, it acts as a valve between the esophagus and the stomach opening when food and water are swallowed, then clamping tight so food doesn't come back from the stomach into the esophagus. In dogs afflicted with megasophagus caused by um, achalasia like syndrome, the LES remains closed. So you can see where the problem starts. And uh, the video fluoroscopic swallow studies have been around a long time. Uh, The problems with, with prior protocols is they did not represent normal eating and drinking behaviors. Those tests have very little to do with reality. And a dog has to be restrained lying on its side, syringe fed barium. I have had that barium meal test. It's horrific. It's horrific when you know what's going on. It's bad enough if you're a dog and you don't know what's going on, Uh, which was not palatable. It's true when mixed with food. And if dogs don't eat during the swallow study, you're not going to get a diagnostic study. In order to receive a better diagnostic result, the MISO collaborative research team blended innovation with adaptation, developing new techniques and tools while borrowing procedures from human medical practices to diagnose and treat this type of canine M.E., so, assistant professor Teresa uh, Lever uh, from the uh, Ontario, oh my gosh, Otto laryngology head and neck surgery department, spearheaded the development of trapezoidal um, holding chambers or kennels, which are now patented, where dogs walk in and are funneled to the narrow end of the enclosure. The animals are more naturally restrained as they're given food that they consume while standing upright. And Lever's Lab, in cooperation with an independent company that conducts feeding trials in dogs, also developed a number of different recipes and consistencies of food and liquid to optimize how well the dogs could take it down and discover which uh, contrast agent was more palatable and effective. Yes, I wish they had that when I had that test. Oh, my gosh. And I had mine in Spain. And I didn't really know much about what was going on. (laughs) It was hard to get that meal down. Oh, it was like trying to drink. You know the, what do they call it? The, um, the alginate that they use at the dentist, you know, the goopy stuff. It was like trying to swallow. The moldy pink stuff. It was trying to like trying to swallow a whole glass of that. Oh, it was so difficult. Anyway, so I digress anyway. So now we have uh, these chambers, we have optim- optimized uh, palatable recipes, and we have experience in normal, healthy dogs without swallowing disorders, as well as lots and lots of patients coming in with other disorders. It was in the process of developing this protocol and having clinical patients come in when we recognized that this syndrome was the underlying cause of megaslapham because in some dogs that's when we began to adapt what they do with humans a therapy where we're opening or dilating the les with botox and or balloon dilation dilation Uh, we perform an endoscopy to first dilate the LES and then administer Botox which paralyzes the sphincter muscle that formerly wanted to remain closed Uh aha while we were still evaluating this procedure we've had dogs with remarkable clinical improvement additionally when we repeat the fluoroscopic studies we can document an open LES and the patients that show improvement can be candidates for surgery and that surgery is potentially curative during a patient's recovery it's a very big article it's a very good article. Uh, During a patient's recovery, residents of the nutrition service service monitor the dog's weight and food intake. The amount of food an owner may give a, a pet might need to be altered every couple of days. And, oh gosh, I'm telling you something. This article has the worst big words ever and names.
2: This is like the show of, of big words. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just sitting here listening to you because you're speaking many languages.
1: I right am. <laughs> um, James Sch- Shachatel? Shatar. No, it's not Shatar. That's my friend from Flavor of Love. And that's a whole other story, VH1. Anyway, she loves dogs too. Uh, James Chut-tel, uh is a radiology resident and key collaborator in the study. And he said, this approach gives these dogs a chance, whereas a lot of them didn't have much of one. At this time, it is early in the evaluation process, but it's a novel approach that shows promise. This subpopulation can receive a really significant benefit from our direct ability to detect detect their malady it can give them a really good quality of life this is a revolutionary diagnostic technique for a disorder identified with a pathological outcome it offers us the opportunity to use therapies that have been successful in people so we're optimistic we can experience similar success with canines and he said such um, uh, a sachatel will present an oral abstract of the swallowing protocol and early and I di- identification of les on october 20th at the american college so that just passed um of veterinary radiation annual scientific conference in orlando and this article was provided by the university of missouri columbia isn't that great jim
2: yes half the words i understood half the words i did but I it's still good it's still really but good they, does this mean that they have to have recurring treatments the botox is temporary right uh,
1: yeah it, and I, and that's what i i'm getting from this um But if it it sounds like, you know, they're on the right path to figuring out how they're ultimately going to treat and, uh, you know, fix this. But it's been very difficult. It's been very difficult. It's been very sad. I'm on the uh, Canine Megasophagus page, and it's terrible when people post that their pets have passed away because of of this terrible, you know, um, disorder, because it's really kind of what it is and sometimes they pass away because of the essentially kind of the side effects of having that but it's very very good news and uh, i was really happy to come across that article well jim do you think we should take a quick break before we go on to uh dinosaurs
2: that would be quite (laughs) we
1: we cover all animals in this show i know it's called vegas rock dog radio but we cover all animals and we're going way back there you go So uh, stay right with us. We're going to listen to some words from our sponsors. You'll listen to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, Sam, your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs.
0: Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture.
3: Front paw sleeves and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetsweaters.com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of WhiteGate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years.
0: Let's bring on the host, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning in Vegas. Uh, We we are going to talk about dinosaurs. That's what we're going to talk about. There is a house in Henderson, Nevada, and it's called...
2: I thought you were going to say there is a house in New Orleans.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, we love music. Go on, you can sing. I let you sing it. You know, one week maybe you'll play. Maybe you'll play saxophone on the radio.
2: It would be loud for everyone.
1: How about some flute? You mm. can do, play some nice flute.
2: Yeah, pet flute.
1: <laughs> well, there's a house in. <laughs> I, still want, I want to say it now, <laughs> New Orleans. Yeah, and it's known as the Dino House. The, oh, I call it the Dino Dino Man's House. And in his front garden, he has over 40 dinosaurs. Now, how big is the biggest dinosaur?
2: 29 feet.
1: 29
2: feet. It's 75% the scale Tyrannosaurus Rex.
1: There you go. And so uh, what he does, we've only ever seen it decorated at Christmas haven't we, Jim?
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: last night we were...
2: Only as a drive-by.
1: Yeah, we we were out last night. We have a classic car. We have a 1960 Chevy Impala and we'd had some repairs done on it. So we decided we'd go for a ride in the sweet ride yesterday. And we ended up, you know, trundling around that area. And I said, oh, let's go to man's house. So we went and he's got it decorated for Halloween. Over 40 dinosaurs, and because it's Halloween, a co- copious amount of creepy baby dolls, which I love... <laughs> And I don't know why, but I do. Heads on sticks, heads sticking out flowers, heads hanging off the garage. They've got a saber-tooth tiger. They've got a caveman in there. What else did they have, Jim?
2: Siamese babies.
1: Oh yeah, Conjoints. ants. Crew. Yeah, lots of ants. But there was ants a-
2: through history.
1: Yeah, there was a st- there's a story. What what was he telling you about the ants? And, the and further
2: back in time you go, the bigger the ants got. Till the point where they were probably the size of small dogs.
1: Isn't that amazing? So he he's a retired teacher. He's a retired teacher and just loves dinosaurs and history and evolution and all of that. And there's a whole story. So uh, he he was on the driveway. So he said, hey, come out. Come take a look. Come on up. It gets a better view if you come all the way up. So we did. And it's, it's fully creep-tastic, isn't it, Jim, as we like to say? Yes. <laughs> for Halloween. Now, where get, does
2: he keep all that stuff? I
1: don't. Well, he he the dinosaur
2: is out of room. The, How would you keep the, three seasons worth of decorations? I know for I mean, the dinosaur dinosaurs garden?
1: I mean, the dinosaurs stay there, but it's all the decorations. yeah, I have no idea. So he's telling us last night that he actually does um this big Halloween thing for the kids at four forty six p m <laughs> to 9.59 so I asked him the significance of the, the time and he just said well you'll remember it won't you and that's true and what they do is they have literally 5,000 kids that show up 5,000 children show up to his house and he gives out sweets or candies here. and he said he, he was very clear to make sure it wasn't miniature sized candy it is full size candy They also get to choose a dinosaur toy, which I left with one. You left with one last night, didn't you, Jim? He showed me some of his creepy dolls that speak. (laughs) And 5,000. And I said, I'm sure that the news come out. He goes, well, here's the thing. We don't really over-publicize it. As it is, 5,000 kids show up. that are all lined up down the street. And he gives out a golden ticket, doesn't he, Jim?
2: Yes, and he has a weird published time that he's open.
1: Which I just said, 4.46.
2: No, it's not
1: four forty. It's four
2: forty
1: six. Oh uh, to
2: nine fifty nine. I don't remember that. I thought it was earlier. I no. mean later.
1: I think it was just after the kids get out from school. Now because it's on a school night, he reckons that it's going to get really busy very early on. And he has his golden ticket. I don't know how did they choose the kids for the golden ticket? Just someone randomly picks them out of the line? I don't know. He's very
2: crafty, creative, and random. Yeah. I'm sure he has a way
1: that he does it. So what he does is he, uh, someone gives these golden tickets. You means you don't have to wait in line. You come to the front and you get to pick-
2: Your dinosaur. Extra. An extra, and he gives away full-size candy bars. I just said that. I know, but (laughs) that's part of the thing. I guess you get special candy or something.
1: I think you get extra, don't you? And two toys or something like that. And then we signed the guest You're
2: book. You're going to try to do that. We're,
1: I'm not standing in a line. That's the last thing I want to do. I don't have patience to watch a 15-second ad in front of a YouTube video, let alone stand in line with a bunch of kids. It's the last thing I'm going to do. But we'll drive by. We'll take some pictures. Um, but uh, he's been doing, I think he said, 10 years. And I think the website was, oh, Shang- Shangri-La, prehistoricpark.com. Is that right? Shangri-La. Correct. So there's my little... Did you tell him
2: about the dino car?
1: Oh, no, I didn't. You, yeah. You
2: the dino car, he has this Buick, and it's wrapped from top to tail. And apparently, he said, how many thousands of images that they had to uh, refine before they put these wraps on the car. And the car is completely wrapped, and he has dinosaurs hanging out the window and what dinosaurs called, on the hood. What was called Bob? The roof, the deck lid, the sides.
1: <laughs> what, about, what about the second, that really, not the big Tyrannosaurus Rex, what was the other one? He called the him... The Allosaur. He called him Anthony.
2: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: He had names for all.
2: And he had a baby raptor coming out of an egg. <laughs> he did.
1: <laughs> so, it's so
2: random. We're talking random because it is random.
1: It is random, but I kind of love that. And it's, it's animal related. It's animal related. And he was shown us one dinosaur that is today the crocodile, how that's that's uh, evolved into the crocodile. But very interesting. Uh, lots of fun. So that's happening on Monday at 4.46 p.m. until 9.59 at the uh, Dinaman's house. And that's in Henderson. Is that Greenway, Jim? It's Greenway, isn't it?
2: Greenway.
1: Yeah, on Greenway Road, just off... Greenway,
2: Greenway... um,
1: Just off Horizon Ridge. Yeah. Well, since we are talking about Halloween, um, this is an article that I I wrote uh, last year, but it still applies to this year, and it always will. And here are some Halloween safety tips. And this was written, actually, not by me, but by Mr. Twix, by my youngest dog. And this is what he wrote... Halloween is a living nightmare, said Mr. Twix. <laughs> woof woof, Mr. Twix here. Halloween is fun, is a fun, fantastical time of the year for families, but is it fun for pets? In our house, it's a living nightmare. My sisters, Galaxy and Thornton, and I, with, an ab- with absolute passion, hate anyone knocking on the door at any time of year. We're not fans of screaming, laughing children in weird costumes either, so it is scary. And I've put together these and my top 10 tips to help your pets at this Halloween time. We want to feel safe and not scared, but still enjoy Halloween. Halloween lights. When decorating with lights, be strategic where you place them. If your cat or dog chews on the glass or the plastic bulbs, they could cut themselves. And if they chew on the cord, they could get a life-threatening electrical shock. There are fire dangers. If you're a pumpkin lover, place them where your kids and pets can't knock them over. Kids and fur babies should never be alone with lit pumpkins. Food decorations. Ingesting decorative corn and pumpkin can cause stomach upsets. But as you know, when pets eat them in large amounts, they're going to have problems and possible blockages. Place food temptations out of your pet's reach. You may love chocolate, but... Old chocolate is bad for your pets. The darker the chocolate, the more dangerous and lethal. If poisoned, they will uh, if poisoned they will vomit. They'll have diarrhea, rapid breathing, increased heart rate, and seizures. Other candies contain uh, the artificial sweetener xylitol, and that can also be poisonous to your pets. If you see a loss of coordination and seizures in your pet, you must get to your veterinarian immediately and tell your children never, ever, ever, ever to feed candies your pets to dress or not to dress up not all pets enjoy wearing clothes or costumes I know it's fun to see them in costume but don't dress them up if they hate it they'll make it clear if they don't like it and opt for a Halloween bandana or collar if that's the case when dressing your pets ensure they're comfortable and you should never cover their faces ears or mouths your pet is a target. Horrible stories litter the news headlines with stories of injured, poisoned and stolen pets and uh, black cats are synonymous with Halloween and black cat adoptions uh, stop leading up to Halloween in a lot of these rescues and shelters because in some shelters it's uh, they see a rising people coming in to pick up black cats for Halloween and it's a common practice in the month of October for lots of them to just refrain from doing that. And so what do you do to prevent your pets from being a target. You're going to padlock your gates to prevent intruders coming onto your property. Lock your doggy doors and cat flaps. Supervise your pets when they go outside to use the bathroom and play. Never leave your pets alone in your garden. Scan for treats, food, or poison thrown in your garden. That can be very common. And look for dangerous and poisoned foods and treats when walking your, your dogs. And if you are a rescue or a shelter, just refrain from adopting out black cats because we've seen people do some horrific things to them on um october uh 31st halloween so that's an important thing keep your pets safe and then what to do on the night to be honest with you i'll never be comfortable with strangers said mr twix coming to my door on halloween or any other night noisy strangers in odd costumes are, are really scary the constant opening and closing of the door is a danger And it's just not worth putting your pets through this stress. Take the same approach as you would with thunderstorms and place your pets in a secure room away from the front door. Give them toys, turn on the TV or radio and never risk them taking off. It's a scary night for a lost pet. So then that takes us on to IDs and pet chips. And you want to update your pet's chip info. Make sure they are wearing a collar with a tag and the odds of reuniting your pet increase when you chip and tag your fur babies, really simple. Emergencies. This is a simple one. Always have your veterinarian's cell phone number at hand for emergencies, and never delay getting there if you suspect something is wrong. And there are other ways you can celebrate with your pets. And last year, what we did is we we dressed up in costume. We went for a walk in Boulder City, didn't we, Jim, With the dogs, uh, we followed um uh, our walk with uh followed the walk with um. Yummy pepperino treats at Starbucks. You know the drinks for our dogs. And here are some other things that you can do with your pets. And you could uh, attend a Halloween pet event. I'm going to tell you about one in a second. You're gonna. Uh, you can bake homemade pumpkin treats. You can take Halloween photographs. You can enter an online Halloween pet photo contest. And um, you don't have to be that doggy downer at Halloween. You just could stay
2: home and watch Vincent Price films. You
1: could. And just create your own safe traditions and have a howling good time. What did he say? Well, what was his favorite, his line, Vincent Price?
2: I don't know. He Didn't he a have a famous
1: line? line? Um, so one of the things you can do today is... Good evening. Good evening. You can go down to Lulu's Doggy Salon and Spa in Henderson off the 215 and Green Valley in the Smith's Plaza. I will be there because we are holding a pet photography fundraiser and it's 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 as simple as coming down with your pet. You can bring them in that costume. You can be in the pictures if you want to, if it makes it easier. It's $25. You're going to get about 10 digital photographs emailed to you. And you'll know that you'll be helping animal rescue because we're putting this on for Rocking for Rescues. And so after this show, I am bombing up there and we'll be there. They're already started now, 10 o'clock. We'll be there till 3 o'clock. No need to make an appointment Just drop in, come and see us, $25. Get really great photographs taken. And I say in costume, not in costume. You can be in the picture as well if you feel like it. And just know that you'll be helping animal rescue. So that's going to be fun. But there's lots going on. There's lots going on this weekend leading up to to Halloween. But this is one where you can have fun and help animals at the same time. Jim, let's take one more break. Let's do that. Let's take one more break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Beagle, who sneezed for six months straight. Hmm. You're listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, am your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs.
0: Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets, people, pop culture.
3: I'm a U.S. Air Force member stationed overseas, and we have three rescued mutts. Stone Phillips was to be euthanized. There were bacteria crawling all over his skin. They called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. He was in constant misery. D I N O oh. V I T E dot com. We started feeding him the DynaVite, and his skin, it's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He's not in pain. Stone is in excellent shape today. He runs stays slim and trim, and follows my husband around like he worships him, I would highly encourage you to get a rescue dog and start him out on Dynavite right from the beginning. And they'll make such a difference in your life. Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Or go to Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com
0: com vegas rock dog radio Heads, people pop culture
1: welcome back everyone so let's talk about this beagle who sneezed for six months oh can you imagine how exhausting that had to be why sneezing sneezing can be quite violent
2: yeah, six months. Why'd they let it go that long?
1: I'm going to tell you. But the owner was shocked to discover why his beagle sneezed for six months straight. For months, dog owner Mark Kovi. Oh God, Kovicak. That cannot be right. <laughs> Kovicak.
2: How do you spell it?
1: K O V I C A K. Kovicak. C A K. C A K, sorry. I can't speak today. I just can't speak, Jim. I'm gonna say Kovacak. That's what I'm going to say. And he'd been scratching his head. Kovachek. Kovachak, there you go. His beloved two year old beagle named Rex. You see, I like that word, three letters. Has been experiencing nosebleeds and chronic sneezing for nearly six months. And Kovachak had no idea what was wrong. Is that that how we're going to pronounce it, Jim? I believe so. One day, Rex playfully ran into the woods after a rabbit. The next, he was sneezing up a storm and a trail of blood soon followed. I'd have been freaked out. And um, after several Google searches and trips to the vet and various prescribed antibiotics, COVID check, finally got the answer he was looking for. Dr. Christopher Sharp of Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners in Grand Rapids, Michigan, held up a CT scan that showed a long, straight object inside the dog's nasal passage. The veterinarian immediately conducted a rhinoscopy using a small tube with a light and lens to view the object from inside the nostril and from the back of Rex's throat. Sharp then used a tool to pull a nearly 5-inch long stick out of the dog's nose.
2: Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. It was an unusual case for the emergency pet hospital. I would think so, but the problem was solved. Our doctors see a fair amount of strange foreign bodies, but usually they've been swallowed and usually they're not found in a pet's nose, Carrie O'Brien, communications manager of the Blue Pill Veterinary Partners, told CBS News. And this is where I picked up this great story. Luckily, Sharp managed to get the object out before any serious damage was done. The body attempts to wall off and remove any foreign object within the nose. If the stick was significantly smaller, then his immune system would have walled it off and slowly broken down the material. And given the size of the stick, his body would have attempted to wall off the inflammation, but the wood material would have remained. If the stick hadn't been discovered and removed, Dex would have a con- Rex, Dex, Rex would have continued to discharge irritation and inflammation long term. Eventually, the dog would have developed a systematic infection that would become life-threatening. Within days after the procedure, Rex was back to his normal, playful self. And he said, I felt like hugging him. He said after the surgery, I felt like I would have hugged him, (laughs) according to the vet's uh, news release. Honestly, he said, I had tears of joy. It uh, It was clear Rex's owner felt a great sense of relief. He was just so relieved, as I can only imagine, your dog experienced discomfort for months. And to not know what was causing it, O'Brien said he had his dog bark back and the dog that he knew and loved. Now, Rex can get back to chasing rabbits, though it may be best if he stays away from sticks for a while. He just must have run into one. What do you reckon?
2: Maybe, yeah, he was running so fast and he tumbled or something and he just went... It had to happen like lightning quick otherwise he would have like shrugged it off
1: i know i don't know how the dog wasn't crying though i mean
2: dogs can put up with a lot your what, galaxy doesn't cry
1: she never cries she never cries sometimes when she, what are those prickly things that sometimes they stand on when we're walking up in boulder city those little burrs little. yeah she just she just stops lifts the leg up goes, uh, get this out take this out <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thornton just, cries.
1: I know. Are they all asleep right now? I can't see them in the studio.
2: Yeah, they're all not participating.
1: They're not participating. So so tell tell everyone about um now, uh, Fifi. Whose dog is she?
2: My brother and sister-in-law, but I think the the larger picture is they got it to be my mom's dog.
1: They got it to be their Although mom's dog. Although my mother's
2: like, I don't want a pet, but she loves Fifi. And Fifi's so. her little companion.
1: I think she does. It, it, I think that's... Um, companionship is really important as you start to get older because you seem to kind of lose your connections. I was talking to um, uh, the rabbi this week at the dinner party. Right. Yeah. And they're doing a program where they're encouraging the younger members of their community to spend more time with the senior community so they've got some companionship. And I love love the idea of that program because like you were saying – you lose your connections as you get older. You know, think about this. You say you you move house, you move move city, then you lose a lot of connections. Then you retire from your job, and you tend to lose those connections. And as you get older, and families start doing their own thing, you seniors do find themselves quite lonely. And so, I think companion animals are a really great thing.
2: We're seniors, technically. Are we? I think so.
1: No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. I'm, g- I'm going to tell you that. I'm not. <laughs> you can be if you want to be.
2: <laughs> so my mom loves Fifi. She's a Pomeranian and she's a toy Pomeranian. She's the size of a rabbit. She's tiny, really tiny. What, how many? Her, her, like, how many her like nose is like a, a big green pea. That's how big little, her nose
1: is. It's not big, then it's tiny. Yeah. Aww. How she's, old is she She's
2: now? a good little girl, about four. Aww. About four years old. And she just likes to lay on people. She just likes to lay on your chest or lay somewhere.
1: Did you take her on any walks while
2: you were back home? I took her out in the yard. A walk for her is like up and down a driveway is like a mile because <laughs> she's so small.
1: I know. Did you see this in the news? Did you see that tiger attack?
2: No. Ugh. Oh, when they were beating it? Yeah. Where was it? At one of those stupid parks where you can pose with a tiger?
1: No, this looks to me like one of those, what, what we, we term the phrase, you know, like a, a side road circus or a side road um, carnival. That's what that's, that's the term we give them. Um, and it was the lead trainer and owner of Page's White Tiger Show and was hospitalized on Tuesday after being attacked by one of the tigers in the show. According to Don Frankel, general manager of the Pensacola Interstate Fair. Okay, because it looks like it was a fairground. Uh, Vicente Pages was rushed to the hospital to have surgery and stitches for a three-inch cut on her knee and a laceration to her ankle. Fair officials said the attack happened during a private performance for a class on a school trip. Oh, yeah, they were traumatized. Trust me, they were traumatized. Some kids still stood there watching and were not pulled away, very bizarre. Uh, David Donut, Paige's fiance and co-owner of the show, said the following about the attack. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. We're dealing with wild animals here and although we take every precaution, accidents like this sometimes happen. They're not accidents. They're not accidents.
2: Because you create the scenario. You
1: create the scenario. An accident is something that's so out of your control, there's nothing you could have done about it. But they create that situation. Uh, we know the hazards of our job, but we love these beautiful animals. Yeah, If you love them that much, don't make money off their backs. And Vicenta will soon be back, she says, as soon as she's able. The tiger show has since been cancelled for the remainder of the fair. Now, if you didn't see it, it's it actually very hard to watch. I thought it was very difficult to watch because uh, they're in a small enclosure. They've got kids there and, and what have you. And um, he, he bites her. She's on the ground. And then he drags her. And then she is, she's punching the tiger in the face. She's hitting the tiger with a stick. The guy comes up, beats and beats and beats down on this tiger. Beats down on this tiger. Which proves, once again, wild animals are not meant to be in captivity. Even if they're born in captivity, they have instincts. And they're not well-tracked. It's a, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's the hidden abuse. They're not going to tell you, yeah, we beat them. Yeah, we drug them to make them perform so they're compliant. No one's going to tell you that, even if you ask. And so you've got to understand when you go to these kind of things, you go to circuses, you are, you are helping it continue by putting your money you know, in their hands. And it's cruelty. And why would you want to pay for your kids to see cruelty? Whether you can't, you've just got to get with it. It's so frowned on now. I look well, at people it's think, oh, old school
2: people, I believe, I truly believe people go to see dangerous animals because they sometimes wish they could see a dangerous situation. It's like, why do people go to smash up derbies or high risk sporting events like racing and such? Some people have a fascination with. Ooh, what could possibly happen? What if, what if this happen? animal eats them, or what if this car crashes? It's wild.
1: Yes, I think there's... I think you're right that, and I never really think about that. I never really. And I think the people that have
2: those types of that engage in those types of activities, especially on the animal side, they profit off of people's fascination with these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, and and they make money off the. So it's entertainment and profit off the backs of animals, which is so not acceptable. Here's what I did see, and it's quite a big change because it was Dennis Michael Lynch that actually posted this video. And I thought, oh, let's see what the comments are. So as I started scrolling through these comments, I was thrilled to see people saying, you know, this just needs to stop. This needs to stop. We, we just, this can't be part of our entertainment. It just can't be. It's, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's cultural. We've had this forever. It doesn't matter. I don't care you know being barbaric is cultural or not we don't need it and I was really pleasantly surprised to see all those comments on the bottom of that post which I I think there was only one person that tried to defend it Um, and there's always one isn't there there's always one but I thought wow I think there might be a shift happening there may be a shift happening here so I was really really pleased to see the comments on that although very very upset about the video. Um, and while we're talking about cats, we're going to scale it down to tiny cats because today is National Cat Day. Did you know that, Jim?
2: I can say that I did
0: not.
1: You did not. And <laughs> as you know, I am a big fan of Dr. Karen Becker. And so talking of cats, she came up with a five, five feeding mistakes many cat parents make, five shortcut blunders that can lead to disaster for your cats. And this is a story, at a glance, it says here, Um, cats, Cats aren't as high maintenance as most dogs, however, they have distinct dietary needs that must be met so they can enjoy healthy, happy lives. Many of the mistakes cat guardians make concern what they feed their pets. Feeding biologically inappropriate food and too much of it is a common mistake of cat parents and another cat owner blunder is not understanding how to ensure kitty is always well hydrated. Many people think cats don't need much time, attention or TLC, but this is a myth. Uh, It's not reality. It's true. Most kitties aren't as high maintenance as their canine counterparts. However, your cat does have unique needs that must be met so uh, he or she can enjoy a happy life.
2: Cats are like yeah, my need is for you not to bother me.
1: Yeah, well, if that's the thing, then you need to kind of, you know, go with that. Makes them happy. Are you a cat?
2: <laughs> I might be. <laughs> I might be.
1: You're a cat. <laughs> Here we go. He had a realization that it was like an epiphany. <laughs> Leave me be. Um, one, feeding the wrong diet. Uh, some foods are metabolic metabolically you can't speak today Um, I know we should do a bloopers reel of everything the whole show is blooping. you're blooping every (laughs) other word this can be the blooper reel Jim (laughs) that's funny oh my gosh some foods are metabolically stressful for example all dry kibble formulas did you hear that all dry kibble formulas are stressful any processed pet food, wet or dry, processed, is the word containing feed-grade versus human-grade ingredients and foods containing grains, potatoes, or other high-starchy ingredients. The nutrition that generates the least amount of metabolic stress for most cats, regardless of age, is their ancestral diet, whole, raw, unprocessed, organic, non-GMO, and in its natural form. This, of course, includes animal meat, which should be the foundation of your, your kitty's diet, and foods that have not been highly processed and the, are the most essential. Oh my gosh, assimilable for your cat's body. These foods are biologically appropriate. All the moisture in the food remains in the food, whereas foods that have been extruded, most dry food, can have drastically depleted moisture content and denatured uh, proteins. And if you can't feed fresh food or raw or gently cooked, the second best diet is a dehydrated or freeze-dried balanced diet that has been reconstituted with an abundance of water or broth. Your cat's kidneys and liver can, go, can be further stressed as a result of chronic low-grade dehydration, so all foods served dry can pose a problem in the long term. And of course, if your cat is overweight, no matter her age, it makes sense to reduce calories in the diet. And what does not make sense is adding fiber. Many weight management and senior cat food formulas contain loads of fiber, which is biologically inappropriate nutrition. And she recommends serving your cat food in its natural state to provide needed moisture and to ensure the highest level of biological assimilation and digestion. And that means feeding a balanced, antioxidant-rich and species-appropriate diet that includes omega-3 essential fats such as krill oil. Many cats are addicted to unhealthy dry foods, so you may need to do a little transition to change the diet. Now, offering the ill-advised all-day all-kitty-can-eat buffet is another problem, also known as free feeding or feeding ad libitum. This cat owner mistake by necessity goes hand in hand with a poor quality diet, specifically kibble, because it's the only type of food you can safely leave at room temperature. So that's the only kind of food you can leave out 24-7. Free feeding is the perfect way to create an overweight or obese kitty, which is absolutely not the goal if you want your cat to live a long and healthy life. And in addition, a constantly available food uh, source turns your feline hunter into a grazer, which just seems to go against nature. While cats are always on the move in search of the next... Meal And many pet, ca- uh, pet cats, on the other hand, are free-fed, and the more you feed Tiger, the less interested he'll be in pursuing his natural drive to hunt. If your cat is healthy, separate his daily rations into several small portions and place them in different locations around the house for him to find. This obviously only makes sense on days when you'll be at home and can ensure he finds all his food before it spoils. And she also recommends putting food bowls at the bottom and top of as many flights of stairs. This is clever as you have to encourage muscle building exercises throughout the day genius alternatively you can feed two portion control meals a day while many people feed their cats twice a day feeding just once a day actually offers a number of health benefits including a lower risk of diabetes here's another one over treating with treats i think everybody's guilty of that treats are the fastest growing type of pet food and many overindulged kitties have the girth to prove it while dog parents are much more likely to buy treats than cat parents unfortunately there is a tendency amongst many cat owners to seriously overdo it when they offer Mr. Whiskers a snack-a-do. Uh, treats, even the healthiest ones, should not make up more than 15% of your kitty's daily food intake. So this is not on top of their food. This is, uh, you know, part of their, cal- their total caloric intake. But it's important to remember that treats, they're just not a form, a complete form of nutrition. And um, because we're trying to do this species-appropriate, you know, nutrition here. And overfeeding treats on top of daily food intake will result in an obese cat. I mean, it's as simple as that.
2: I need species-appropriate nutrition right now.
1: (laughs) You mean breakfast? Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of the cat parents now are going to homemade healthy snacks to replace these big chunky cat treats um here's another thing we've got a couple more points here um family style dining in multi-cat households cats wild or domestic don't hunt or eat in packs like dogs felines are solitary hunters and sharing is foreign to them unless a female is a nursing litter is nursing a litter and many households have more than one cat and they are often fed as a group this can lead to stressed-out cats and competitive eating contests in which kitties eat more food and faster than they would if they were eating alone. And cats in multi-cat households should be fed separately. This gives you the ability to precisely control the amount of food each cat receives, and you'll know uh, immediately if someone's appetite drops or picks up notice noticeably. Both can be signs of illness. And so dining alone also allows each cat to eat at his or her own pace without any need to compete or resource guard. And the last thing is missing the boat on feline-friendly water sources. There's a reason your kitty doesn't gulp water from a bowl like a dog. She has a naturally low thirst drive. In the wild, felines easily meet their hydration needs when they eat small prey animals, which are around 70% water, and nature designs cats to hydrate via their diet. Dry food, which is unfortunately what many cat parents feed, is only 5 to 10% water. Ooh, that's low. By contrast, a nutritionally balanced, fresh, and meat based diet is around 70 to 80% of water, as in canned cat food. And cats fed kibble need much more water than it occurs to them to drink to compensate for a dry diet. They don't know this, so they're not going to go, Oh, I need to drink more, like I need to do every day. My diet. Your diet. Studies of, that was funny. <laughs> so, do it again.
2: My diet. Studies. Of, <laughs> You'll have to tell that story. I next
1: will. I'd love to be next time. It's a long story. But studies of healthy cats fed wet versus dry food show that cats on diets with high moisture content rarely visit the water bowl, yet, they consume double the amount of moisture as the cats eating kibble. The kibble fed cats. Did not demonstrate a high enough thirst drive to make up the water deficit at the water bowl. And as you might expect, feeding kitty a dry food diet puts significant stress on their kidneys because it is lacking in that moisture. So if you are concerned about your cat's water intake, consider adding water to the food. And you can also try adding flavoring to the water. Try using the liquid from a can of tuna or cat food uh, to make it more enticing or add bone broth. And we're big fans of bone broth. Also, some cats ignore... um, still water but will drink moving water from a pet water fountain i think they are fantastic um, tips really fun i like the one about the exercise moving the water uh, high up on the top of the stair the food on the top of the stairs so they get some exercise i love that so i do like dr karen becker you can find her website quite easily on the internet i just think it's dr dr karen if i'm not wrong well jim we've covered a lot we've gone from ants to dinosaurs to cats Dogs, tigers... And Galaxy
2: just woke up.
1: And Galaxy just woke up because she knows it's the end of the show. They're so clever, our dogs. Now, if you've liked this show, please share it with your family and friends. And... If you're listening on an archive show, it's super easy to share on social media because the button is right there next to the episode. So (laughs) give us lots of thumbs up. Uh, I will be down at the photo fundraiser today at Lulu's Doggy Salon and Spa. The information is on the Rockin' for Rescues page. I will be uh, Facebook living. That's not a word or a term, but I just made it up. I'll be doing some Facebook live from the event itself. We'll be there till 3 o'clock, drop in, 25 great photos help animal rescue so remember you can help an animal in need either rescue adopt donate volunteer share their information or come to a photo fundraiser rescue your next family member replace the word shop with adopt and be kind to all animals jim thank you for being my co-host today
2: i'm very welcome
1: you're very welcome and thank you to my dogs galaxy Thornton and Mr. Twix. They just woke up. They're getting a little bit excited. I'm
2: more the engineer than the co-host. Well,
1: it's okay, Jim. You're, you're important either way, yeah? And follow us on Facebook, find us on other social media platforms, and always post pictures of your pets. We love to know about your pets. Uh, today, you have been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio, where it is all about pets, people, and pop culture. I'm your host, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. And always kiss your pets good morning and good night. And I'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio. (laughs) Pets. People. Pop culture. Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com